Good morning and welcome to Sisterhood. We are so glad that you are here. We are thankful that we have a place that we get together each week to be with women who we love and adore, that pray for us, that love us, that lift us up. I have loved this study this semester of original women. I think everyone I've talked to has said the same thing. There's something special about studying a woman. It doesn't matter when she lived or where she lived we always have something that we can relate to, and that amazes me. Today we're gonna to talk about Lydia having a hungry heart. And I have a picture of seeing Lydia's baptismal site. So this happened in um, Greece, Global Team Greece, last April. We stood on the sides here and we saw that this is where she was baptized. There it is with a group of friends. This is where my vision started for Lydia, right here, you guys. Thank you, Rachel. And um, it was in that moment that I started to perk some interest about Lydia. I'm, I'm embarrassed to say I didn't know a ton of information about her other than I knew she had some importance in the Bible. I knew she had done some cool things, but I hadn't ever really done an in-depth study on her. So when Jen sent the lessons out and Lydia was on the, the list, I quickly jumped at that. And then I began to dig in and I found out that um, Lydia has five verses on her. Yes, five. Five. That was great news. So I was like, well, Lord, do what you only you can do. And here's what I found that you guys know this in this book, in this living, breathing word of God, he can take five verses and give you more information than you even know what to do with because every word, every sentence, every verse, every chapter is so on purpose and for a purpose that it doesn't matter how many times you've read it or how short it is, it comes to life. And I just love that. I was just like eating it up and I just began to really love Lydia. I was like, she's kinda like us. There's three things I found out about her. One, she hungered for more. She was learning to listen to him, and she wanted to be obedient. And if I could pray three things every day, that's exactly what I would pray. God, I want more of you. God, I wanna listen intently. And God, I just wanna be obedient with what you've given me. I was like, Lydia and I are pretty much best friends, and I don't even know her. I just knew though she could be someone easy. If she lived here, I would be friends with her. So we find her story in Acts 16. You'll have your notes in front of you. Follow along as I read, starting in Acts 9 through 10. That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. I wanna show you a map of where we're talking about just so that it kind of all makes sense to you. But you'll see that Paul did his first missionary journey and he started out over in the Jerusalem area. Now he's on his second missionary journey and you can see Macedonia is way over there. So when he gets the call, he's gonna make a trek over and he's gonna go to where the gospel hasn't been preached yet. Here, we're gonna pick up in verse 11. We boarded a boat at Tros and sailed, sailed straight across to the island of Samothrace. And the next day we landed at Nepolis from there we reached Philippi, a major city of that district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. 
and we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went a little way outside the city to a riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer, and we sat down to speak with some women who had gathered there. Okay, you can put that photo back up of the very spot, the very spot, that's the very spot where Lydia gathered with people. There's something powerful about standing on the actual ground where Jesus or somebody walked. If you haven't been on a global team, go. Go to global team Israel. Go um, to whatever has historical background and check it out. It's absolutely amazing and it will change how you see things. And they, they met by a river. One, they were outside the city gates because there was no synagogue in Philippi. And then they met by the river because a lot of times in the Jewish prayer gatherings, they'd have a ceremonial washing. So they need to be by the water in case they needed to wash something. Let's continue on in verse 14. One of them was Lydia from Thyatira, a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshiped God. As she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart and she accepted what Paul was saying. She and her household were baptized, and she asked us to be her guests. If you agree that I am a true believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my home. And she urged us until we agreed. Okay, ladies, when I read the Bible, I'm an active Bible reader, so I want you to do the same thing. If you have a pen or a pencil on your table, grab it. I mark my Bible, I underline it, I circle things, I comment. So we're gonna go back and look at just verses 14 through 15. I told you there was five verses. I really only need two verses to talk to you about Lydia. Underline this, underline Lydia, underline purple cloth, worshiped God, she listened, the Lord opened her heart, accepted, she and her household were baptized, and come and stay at my home. That's what we're gonna dive into. Everything that you underlined right there is something we're gonna dive into. We're gonna start with her name, Lydia. The Moody Bible Commentary said this, her name, Lydia, indicates she was a Gentile, so she was most likely a God-fear, a Gentile who believed in God and followed the moral and ethical teachings of Judaism, but was not a full convert. Why? Because she hadn't heard the gospel yet, so she, was not, she did not have a personal relationship with Jesus yet. Lydia is also known as the next thing is purple cloth. She was the seller of purple cloth. Purple cloth is the mark of royalty in the Roman world. To be dressed in purple is to say to the world, I am powerful, I am wealthy, I am, I'm influential. Okay, purple cloth was extremely expensive because it was difficult to make. It was made out of a dye that came from a mollusk or a shellfish, okay? And so since that was very rare, the purple dye was rare and hard to find. So if you made something with purple, it was going to be expensive. So I think when Luke here, he's the, he's the author of Acts, when he indicates that she's a dealer of purple cloth, I think he's cluing us into the fact that she was wealthy. And people believe Lydia moved to Philippi to ply her trade and establish a branch of operations there. In today's terms, we might say she was on a business trip there. She was going to check out what she could do there. So even though Lydia was a wealthy woman, she didn't isolate herself. She still went to the riverbanks to meet with the Jewish women. I love that about her, just an average woman. Acts also indicates that she was from Thyatira, and all signs point that Lydia had a Greek background, meaning she didn't grow up in the Jewish tradition, culturally or religiously, okay? But now, here she is, living in Philippi, a Roman colony. Follow me on this, this is interesting stuff. 
Philippi was like known as a prestigious retirement community. So think of Florida, Arizona, wherever you go, it's like this gated community. And they let the, um, excuse me, <coughs> the Roman soldiers <coughs> got to retire there. Okay, so it's the city of Philippi was a Roman colony with prestige, hence why she was probably selling her purple cloth in this area. So here we have a wealthy Greek businesswoman living in a prestigious Roman city, and yet Paul and Silas find her at a Jewish prayer meeting outside the city gates, sitting with average people, praying to a God that she hasn't personally met yet. If you don't think God does things on purpose, you're wrong. He puts us in the most unlikely situations, in the most unlikely places, so that what we can just simply learn more about him, and that's why I love him so. He does that, but Lydia also did something. She was intentional. She put herself in a place to learn more. It just didn't happen. She lived in an active state, not a passive state. I want you to remember those two words today as we dive into the lesson. Lydia lived in an active state, not a passive state. Lydia was a worshiper. That's your next thing that you underline. She had a hunger for God. She didn't even know what it was, but there was something inside her that told her that she wanted more of whatever it was. And so she found herself at this prayer gathering on the riverbank. Here's the definition of hunger. The nine aching on the inside of you, that sense of need that's not content until it's filled. Hunger is an active state for it results in you seeking out the object of desire that will satisfy your need. Hunger for God is a longing to encounter him, to be with him, to be filled with his spirit. It's seeking out something that's going to fill us. It's an active state. It's something we do. If you're hungry, you're not going to plop yourself on the couch and wait for food to drop in your lap because guess what? It's probably not going to happen. What you're going to do is you're going to go out and seek it and you're going to find it until it satisfies that need. Matthew 5, 6 says this, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. John 6, 35, And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hungry, and he that believeth me shall never thirst. We need to actively desire more intimacy with him. That's exactly what Lydia did. I mentioned that I just was on a trip to Northern Asia, and they have this really cool thing where they put a lazy Susan in the middle of your table. I actually think we should implement it here in the States. And the host, the man or the woman, will move the thing. So as you're waiting for your food to come by, you know, you can kind of eye up what you want. It comes around. There's no awkward passing or asking for something down there. But I had to actively be involved in my meal because the only thing we had was chopsticks to eat with. And so when I saw my chicken coming, I was like, had my chopsticks ready. And I guess I knew it was going to take me five grabs, not one, to get my chicken. How much more do I need to wait for God to come by so that I can actively grab him? I don't want to miss it. Okay, if I miss my chicken, I had to wait for it to come around again. That's the one thing I pray in life. God, I don't want to miss what you have for me. I want to put myself in a posture of worship so that I'm always ready for what you have for me. Pass the lazy Susan. He's got more coming. Next, we see that Lydia listened. 
Listening is also an active state. Hearing would be considered passive. Let me tell you why. Sound and expert, uh, communication expert Julian Treasure says this, listening is an active skill, whereas hearing is passive. Listening is something we have to actively work at. This is where you make a conscious effort to not only hear the words that another person is saying, but more importantly, try to understand the complete message being sent. In order to do this, you must pay attention to the other person very carefully. You cannot allow yourself to become distracted by whatever else is going on around you or by forming counter arguments that you'll make when the other person stops speaking. Nor can you allow yourself to get bored and lose focus on what the other person is saying. All these contribute to a lack of understanding and listening. I homeschool my three girls, and many times they find me in the kitchen as where most of us spend our time unless you're not a cooker or a baker. I know some of you in here don't spend a lot of time in the kitchen, but I do. And they'll come and they'll sit with me and they'll say, Mom, can you listen? It might be a rough draft. It might be a book or something. I'll say, yeah, of course I can listen. And they start reading to me whatever they have to read. And it's not until they get to the end and they ask me a question and I look at them. And they say, Mom, were you listening? Did you hear me? And I have to apologize and say, no, I'm sorry, I wasn't listening. I was hearing. See, I heard their voice. I heard everything they were saying, but hearing is passive. Listening is active. Listening means you're understanding and you're comprehending what is being said. And that's the kind of listening that they're talking about with Lydia here. She was listening to understand. When Paul was speaking to her, she was listening to comprehend what he was saying. She wasn't just hearing it. I want to listen to what God is saying to me. I I want to comprehend. I want to understand because here's what happens. When we listen to understand and comprehend, we have life transformation, not just for ourselves, but for everybody around us gets to benefit when we listen to what he says. We see another example of listening in 1 Samuel 3, 8 through 10. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, go and lie down. And if someone calls again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed and the Lord came and called as before. Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. Okay, here's a couple things Eli tells Samuel. One, he says, go lie down. Quiet yourself. Position yourself to listen. There's a discipline in that, ladies. Go quiet yourself. Position yourself to listen. He says, be available. Be ready. Don't be so distracted with everything else that you don't have ears to hear. And the last thing I would say is he says, be obedient. When you hear it, say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. A couple of things I learned from Eli is, one, he is way smarter than I am because when I get aroused or woken in the middle of the night, usually my first comment is, do you have to go to the bathroom? because I've woken up too many times to a kid in the closet doing something they're not supposed to do in the closet. I'm like, I need to be like Eli. He is so closely in tune with the Lord that the first thing he says is, that's the Father speaking to you. Lord, give me ears to hear like that. 
speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. The other thing we know is God speaks at all times, right? He's omnipresent. He's everywhere at the same time, always working, always talking. He doesn't care where or when. He will always speak if we stop and listen. I sleep with my phone or notepad beside my bed because I don't want to miss it if he wakes me up in the middle of the night and he says something. And maybe that's a conviction on my part. Maybe he has to wake me up in the middle of the night because you know what? During the day, I run too hard and I don't stop and listen. I don't know if that's you, but I was just kind of convicted of that as I was thinking that. And I think, I think the Lord's pleased and he'll wake me up anytime when he has to say something, but I don't want to run so hard during the day that I don't stop and actually listen to what he's saying. Listening is a skill. It's something we can work on. We can improve on. I try to teach my children this. It can be the simple things, ladies. Like, here's a simple example. On Thursdays, we go to co-op, and so we have a little bit of a drive, and I just practice listening with them. And I say, okay, we're going to pray, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask the Lord to give you someone that you need to encourage today. And so we pray, and then we just stop for five minutes. And it's quiet in the vehicle, and I say, just listen. The Lord's going to give you a name. And then once they have that name, I say, okay, Lord, now I'm going to pray, and would you give us a way that you want us to encourage that person? And then we just stop and we're quiet again. And you know what? He has not failed us yet. Every single Thursday, we have someone that he has given to us to encourage and a way to encourage them. And then I pick the girls up at the end of the day and they jump in the van and I'm so excited to hear the reports and how they encouraged and how it went. And in our house, we believe that blessing follows obedience, so we go to Panera and we celebrate with a cinnamon bagel. Okay, I don't know, maybe it's bribery, but I don't care if that's how you have to train them up, right? Blessing does follow obedience, whether it's a cinnamon crunch bagel or not. You will see that. I was also just praying this weekend, like, Lord, what do, you, what do you want them to know? And I would say this, I know some of you have a devoted quiet time and you're super disciplined in your spiritual life. But if you're here this morning or this evening and you're like, you know what? No, I don't. And I don't know where to start. The Lord gave me this. He said, 30 minutes in 30 days and see if it changes your life. Super simple. I'm going to do it. I would invite anybody to do it with me. If you're already doing something, you can add it on top of it if you want. But I would say this. Five minutes of worship. Five minutes of reading. Five minutes of journaling. Five minutes of praying. Five minutes of quiet. And then just five minutes of listening. Just challenge him and see what he does with those 30 minutes every day that you give him. Lydia hungered for more, she listened intently, and the result was God revealed things to her. See why I loved her so much, you guys? She's just like us. It said that God opened her heart. And if we do just a really quick study of the word heart, it's the same heart in that verse that's used in Deuteronomy 6.5. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. The Hebrew word for that heart is lebab. Here's what the ESV study notes say. The heart, as the seat of reason and cognitive 
cognitive functions is by far the most important bodily organ mentioned in the Old Testament. Okay, so the heart gathers the information and the tongue repeats it. That's why we say out of the heart, the mouth speaks. The heart was generally associated in the Hebrew as the mind. So they talked about the heart as we talk about the mind. It was the center of their being. It's where decisions were made. It's where commitments were made. That's why he's saying it was so important that God opened Lydia's heart. He revealed things to her in that moment that she otherwise did not understand. Lydia hungered. Lydia listened. God opened her heart. He revealed things to her. And then Lydia chose to believe. In the New Living Translation, it said she accepted what Paul was saying. It's a choice, right? We all get to choose what, what we believe. Deuteronomy 30, today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and cursings. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. I remember Pastor Darren quoting one time in one of his messages, he said, you can have as much of Jesus as you want. It's available to all of us, but we get to choose. We get to make that choice. Lord, I want all that you have for me. Romans 10 says there's power when we make a choice and we declare it with our mouth. And if you're like, you know what, I've been hearing things this semester at Sisterhood. I've been hearing things at church, but you know what? I haven't declared it. I haven't chosen to make that decision. Today might be your day. Tell a table leader, tell somebody to pray with you. Romans 10, 9 says this, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith, and you are saved. For some of you, that's what you're gonna do today. For others of you, you're like, you know what? I've already accepted. I've made that choice then I would say, you know what? Choose to be challenged today. Choose to be doers of his word. Choose to actively listen to what he's been asking you to do. If you're like me, there's things in your life that you know that he's asking you to do. You've heard them in the quiet whispers, maybe not in a loud voice. Maybe you've journaled it. Let today be the day that you're like, you know what, I'm gonna be a doer of his word because Matthew 7, 24 says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is like a wise person who builds his house on a solid rock. Don't be foolish. Once you hear it, once you're listening to it, begin to do it, begin to obey. That's exactly what Lydia did. Then we see the last thing, she immediately began to serve the Lord. The last verse in, in her story in Acts 6.15, she and her household were baptized and she asked her guest, if you agree that I am a truly believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my home. Two things, she and her household were baptized. What does that mean? That means she did not keep the good news to herself. She went home and she spread it with them. Since she was a wealthy business owner, we think that probably the people that lived in her household were her servants, right? It didn't matter that there was only a couple of them. It, the Bible doesn't say that she went and immediately started preaching to the masses. It says she went back and she just shared it with her household. We all have good news that we can share with our household. She shared it with those she had influence on. In the early 1900s, there was a, a missionary woman from California that got called to go to China and 
She listened and she obeyed and she went and she knew that there was millions upon billions of people that had never heard the gospel. And so she began preaching and she was having success and the message was being heard and Jesus was being preached. And then uh, at the age of 40, she got sent back home because the communist government came in and they shut her down. So she went back to California and she thought, what now? At the age of 40, here I am back at the beginning. Lord, what do you have for me? And he just, she heard him say, just go start speaking. So she scheduled a couple speaking engagements and they went okay, but at one of them, she had five women approach her and they said, will you teach us the Bible? She said, I need to pray about that. And she went home and she had a serious conversation with God because she said, God, there is millions of people in China that need to know the gospel and you asked me to teach five women, five. And she listened and he said, will you be faithful with little? So she went back to the women and she said, all right, I'm not going to spoon feed you, but I'll study the Bible with you. So if you want to do it, show up at my house, we'll start studying the Bible. And they did. And it grew. And it grew a little bit more and then it went into a church. And then from there they saw that people wanted to multiply this, so they started multiplying it. And they started doing it other places. And that lady that started with five women is now the leader that writes BSF, Bible Study Fellowship, which is taught to millions of people around the world. But ladies, it started with five. And to think at 40 she almost quit because she said, five, God? You only want me to influence five? Here's the deal, we impact one who will influence many. Just start with the one that's in front of you. The Philippi church started in Lydia's home with just a few people simply because she hungered for more, she listened, she was obedient, and she just gave what she had. She opened up her house. She said, come here, stay here, I wanna use this. I mentioned that last week I was serving in a country in Northern Asia. And for security reasons, I'm gonna say that the girl's name was Lydia, because I think that's appropriate to say today. We were teaching in the schools and what we would do is we would go and teach English in the morning and obviously you know we couldn't share faith and we couldn't teach anything religious in the morning. But we could have conversations. And so our job was really to give the teacher a break and to build relationships with the people that were there and then invite them to the address that we were going to be at that evening. Excuse me. And so that morning my husband Mark was there with me as well and he got placed into a classroom with this Lydia as the teacher. And she loved Mark so much so that she wanted to come and meet me. And so after class he came and introduced me to her and she said, will you guys come and teach in my classroom this time? We said, sure. So we went back to her classroom and we were teaching our English lesson and in the middle of it, we said, hey, my name's Emily and he said, my name's Mark and like a teenage boy, he writes, Mark on the board with a little heart and then Emily underneath it and the class went wild and they giggled. We knew we had stole their hearts. And then we began to tell them that we'd been married for 15 years and we had fun and we laughed. And as soon as there was a break, Lydia beelined it to the front of the room and she said, you said you've been married for 15 years. And I said, yeah, we have. She said, can I ask you a question? How are you still so happy? And Mark and I made eye contact and we're like, this is it. We get to tell her how. 
she asked. I grabbed her by the hands and I looked her in the eyes and I said, oh Lydia, we serve a God that loves us and he loves you too. And we love him so much that we put him first in our life. He is first, then our marriage, then our kids. And I knew the conversation couldn't go much farther than that, so I left it at that. And we went back to teaching our lesson, and then when we were finished, Mark and I were out in the hallway, and she found me again. Why? Because there was something in her that hungered for more. She didn't know what it was, but there was something in her that hungered for more, and she came up to me and she said, she got real close and she nuzzled into me. She said it quietly, she said, so do you have a Bible? And I said, I do. And I read it every single day. And then she said, so are you a Christian? And I just smiled and I said, Lydia, I am. And that was all we could say. And I gave her the address I was going to be at that night. And I said, you come and meet me here tonight. Fast forward several hours, we're in our hotel room getting ready to go to that address that I had given to Lydia. And for whatever reason, I was dinking around and changing my pants five times, and Mark was getting agitated with me, but he just waited patiently for me. But God's timing is perfect. As we left the hotel and we got about 50 steps down the walkway, Mark looked up and he goes, Emily, there's Lydia. And I went and grabbed her by the arm and I said, Lydia, you found us. And she said, no, I didn't. I was looking for this address. I couldn't find it and I was lost, so I was leaving to go home. See, if I wouldn't have been messing around in my room, I would have missed it. Okay, if you need to change your outfit five times, it's okay. God has a plan. And I grabbed her by the arm and I didn't let her go and I held her the whole way until we got to the cafe. And I got her a coffee and I sat her down and we talked small talk a little bit and then I said, okay, Liddy, here's what I want to know. How did you know about a Bible? She said, well, when I was at university, someone came to me one time and they said that they were a Christian and that they read the Bible. I didn't know how to get a Bible. I'd never seen a Bible. So I went to the library, but I couldn't check out the Bible, but I got to hold it and I got to touch it. And so I began to tell her about forgiveness. I shared the gospel with her. I told her how Jesus had changed my life and he could change her life too. And before she left, I took the Bible. I wrapped it up in black paper so that nobody could see it. And I grabbed it with two hands. Because that's what you do there when you're going to give them a gift. You give it with them to two hands. And I looked her in the eye and I said, and I'm bawling at this time. And there, there's not a whole lot of emotion. So she's looking at me like I'm crazy. I said, listen, you need to know I am not sad. I'm very happy. <laughs> but I said, I'm about to give you the most powerful book that you will ever hold in your life. I said, I'm about to give you a book that's going to change your life forever. I said, will you read it? She said, See, what you don't know about this Lydia is what I found out is she's from a village far, far away. And my friend said that, you know what, there in that village, I bet they've never heard about Jesus. You influence one who will impact many. Can I pray for you, ladies? 
Lord, we thank you that you are a God over everything, that you see us, Lord, that you speak to us, that you long to be near to us. And so, Lord, I pray for a hunger to rise up in this room. In the name of Jesus, Lord, that hunger would rise up like never before. Lord, I pray that we would have ears to listen to your voice so much clearer than we've ever heard before. And God, I pray that we would be obedient, that we would be doers of your word, that we would step out in faith the things that you have asked us to do, God, because it's not about the masses all the time. It's about the one. And so, Lord, show us the one who we can influence that will impact many. God, we thank you that you are here in this moment, that you go before us, that you already have something in advance for us to do, Lord, that wherever you're sending us to, you're already there, so we don't have to worry about the details. God, we can step out in faith, trusting that you are going to be there for us. Lord, we thank you for sending women like Lydia that we can learn from. We give you all the praise and all the glory for everything that's happened. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen, amen.